Okay, Tony, over to you. Hi, everybody. Welcome to It May Interest You to Know. I'm Tony Marcolini. I'm joined today with my co-host, John Hartman, Marty Mangello. And today, our very special guest is legendary pitcher Tommy John. So let's go. Welcome back, everybody. Today, as I said, legendary pitcher Tommy John. Uh, and I think I'm going to lob the first question at you, if I may. You do what? I'm going to lob the first question at you uh, of the day. Okay. So you played in, I think, four All-Star games? Yes, I did. Four. And I have to ask this question. I've always wondered, do you pitch the same in an all-star game as you would in, in an ordinary game? Or is there a little, uh, you know, less, less vigor you're putting into it? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I wanted to get everybody out, whether it was a practice game, spring training, the season, all-star game, World Series. It's the competitiveness in you. And it and kicks in as soon as you hit the mound, it kicks exactly. in. Yes, yes. Now, we had, I think Bart mentioned before we went on the air, we had, uh, I mean, we had Bart Oates here, Marty mentioned before we went on the air. And I asked him, so I'm going to ask you the same question. Can you narrow it down to, let's say, the one most memorable moment of being on the field? Being on the mound, I should say. It's hard. <laughs> it was hard. I mean, you said like 26 <laughs> years worth. Is there worth 26 years, Tony? Yeah. Uh, I'll pull them back. What game do you want? What year? <laughs> um, well, it was the one game that I will remember. Well, there's two. A 1977 playoffs, Dodgers, Phillies. I beat Steve Carlton and the Phillies. Oh, man. Four to one to win the National League Championship, and we went to the World Series after that. And um, so that would be one. That's best game I ever pitched. It got in the rain. It rained. Yep, I remember. I watched. I'm a big Phillies fan. Gary Maddox dropped the ball. He was a great fielder. Yeah, Steve Carlton, man. Come on. Wow. Steve couldn't stand the pressure, you know. <laughs> My dad's um, up there cringing in Philly uh, right now. The second one was a playoff game again. 1981, Yankees, Brewers, Yankee Stadium. Um, 
that earlier that year, my son Travis fell out of a third story window down at the Jersey shore. Oh gosh. And he was in a coma for like 17 days. Damn. And he came out of it, walked out of the hospital and Steinbrenner asking um, if he would throw out the first pitch of the game. Wow. wow. And said, okay, now, as only luck would have it, I'm pitching that game. I'm starting. So I can't walk out to the mound with he and his mother. And she is um, seven months pregnant with our son, Taylor. Uh, so anyway, um, I pitched it. Uh, he threw up the first pitch and Reggie Jackson, I asked Reggie if he would um, accompany them to, to the mound. And Reg said, oh, God, I'd love to, Tommy. Yeah. So he picked Travis up and held him by his butt like this and spun him around did a 360 spin at Yankee Stadium. And um, the Yankee fans were going, Travis, Travis, Travis. <laughs> now I'm sitting on the bench watching all this, crying like a baby. Aww. I've got to go out and pitch in five minutes or less. So I go out and as I go out, I call the umpire out. And I said, the, the, this first inning, you, you got to help me. And he said, why? And I said, because you see this? I said, I'm crying like a baby. And he said, <laughs> I said, I am too. And I said, well, just if I throw the ball and if it gets to home plate, it's a strike. And <laughs> get me through this first inning. And he said, okay, I will. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Pretty cool. I never so, thought I'd hear the name Steve Carlton again, but, man, that's we're going back. Well, I have another question, and, and then I'm going to know because John is chomping at the bit to ask you questions, and I know I'm monopolizing. But I just want to sneak one more in. Um, do you remember the first time you stepped onto the onto the mound as a professional pitcher, your very first game? Do you remember that? Dubuque, Iowa. Uh, the Cleveland Indians said, we're going to send you to this resort city on the Mississippi River, Dubuque, Iowa. I said, oh, okay. And I went out. You know what? I was getting paid not a lot of money, but I was getting paid to pitch. And, and it was the same as if I was pitching American Legion ball. Only the winners were better, but it's baseball's baseball, whether it's American Legion, high school, minor leagues, high minor leagues, the big leagues, it's just the players get better as you go higher up the ladder. But the passion's always there. It's still there. Cool. Was it now? How different was that the very last game you played, your, your mindset? Like, so now the, you know you're, this is the last game I'm ever going to play in. Was your, mind, your mindset must have been very different. 
Well, I knew that uh, I was not long for the uh, world uh, when the manager for the Yankees, Dallas Green, called me up before spring training and he said, what the hell is a 46-year-old man doing wanting to pitch Major League Baseball? You should be out on your mower, mowing the yard and doing this stuff. And I said, because I still think I can pitch. So I ended up, I had a good spring training and I ended up getting the opening night pitching assignment. And I pitched well. Had Lou Pinella been my manager, I would have been maybe five and five, five and four. Dallas was there. I was like two and seven because he managed me to lose. Seriously. Mm. Seriously. He managed me to lose. Wow. I should have kept his ass then, but I <laughs> You still have time. No. He's dead, isn't he? You can still you can still kick his ass. I think we can see it. I didn't say kiss it. <laughs> well, I know John had some question about your sinker ball. Was that John? You were chomping at yeah, the I, do, I just remember Mr. John when I was I was a, a, a kid when you were at your prime and you just made it look so easy throwing a sinker ball. I I, I still remember I said I can I can teach myself how to do this, which I never could. But it was just remarkable how you were just your sinker ball is just remarkable. You might be the best sinker ball pitcher ever. My question I have for you is who taught you how to do it? Your father or coach? Um I knew that I was never going to throw the ball hard. So um I pitched. We had back then pitching coaches didn't do all this BS that they do today. They just looked at you and saw how you pitched when you were in your prime. And that's how they taught you how to how to pitch. Um, and I found that if I would just get my hand up and go back to front and and drive the ball down, the ball sank. And it wasn't hard to do. Wow. Not at all. So I just, uh, in fact, one of the things that I did when I came back from surgery is I told uh, our pitching coach, Red Adams, with the Dodgers, I said, Red Dog, just make sure that I throw the ball exactly the same way uh, as I did before I had my surgery. Because you used to hear of a guy's changing their motion and all that to accommodate operations. And, um, but anyway, I wanted to tell you guys, I'm looking at it here. And if it looks like I'm from West Virginia, I'm not because I was eating something and I bit down on it and I broke this front tooth off. Oh and um, I'm going to have it done, but yeah, I got to wait till, um, my social security dental plan kicks in. <laughs> well, because you brought up surgery, and uh, I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that you know your uh, your name is associated with Tommy John surgery. Right, um, that's right. When you were going through that, though, I bet, I bet you never imagined that you would be the namesake uh, for such a procedure. 
Well, Davy Lopes said it shouldn't be Tommy John surgery. It should be Dr. Frank Jobe's surgery. <laughs> I concur. It should be. But when Job was giving talks about the surgery and what he did, the name of the surgery is the owner collateral ligament replacement surgery with the palmaris longus tendon. He said, you know, when you're talking, you got to spit that out. And he said, finally, I said, you know, the surgery I did on Tommy John and all the doctors were there. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he said, then, then I cut it down to, you know, Tommy John surgery. So I didn't name it. Dr. Job named it. Well, I've been, I bet you did. You never could have imagined when you were going through it that your name would become synonymous for the surgery. Well, I just thank God in heaven that Dr. Job was an orthopedic surgeon and not a proctologist. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> I am an a-hole, but you know, I mean, you know. I... <laughs> Fair enough. You know, Mr. John, I'm, I'm watching you now. I'm, I'm having a flashback to when I was like 12 years old watching a baseball game with my grandfather and you struck out Greg Luzinski. And he was completely, he was a great hitter. He was completely befuddled. And I, he, he just kept on swinging over the ball. Your ball just kept on dropping. And then finally you struck him out. I think your, your, the ball was two feet out of the strike zone. It was, you were just an amazing pitcher. Your, your sinker was amazing. Unbelievable. Well, I, I could do one thing. One, my, my ball moved away from a right-handed hitter and it sank. And, uh, If I tried to overthrow, the ball wouldn't sink. It just stayed up. Who was? I'm sorry. Uh, in fact, I'll tell you a guy that is, was the same way as me. He probably had a better sinker ball than me. Well, he's in the Hall of Fame, so it tells you. Uh, Greg Maddox. Greg, okay. I don't know. Your sinker ball is pretty awesome. I've got a question. It'll be better if I get in the Hall of Fame. It'll be great. Well, I don't know with 288 wins, how you cannot be in the Hall of Fame. It's it's kind of a disgrace. Well, this uh, I had 164 wins after after my surgery. Okay, you know, two less than Sandy Koufax had in his entire career. Wow! And there was a sports writer. Now this is the thinking. There was a sports writer, <coughs> excuse me, that said, yeah, but Koufax's wins were better than yours. <laughs> I said, what, did he get a Jewish discount or what? <laughs> and yeah, he had less hits, more strikeouts, but he won, I won. And when you take the mound, you take the mound to win. And I wasn't a strikeout pitcher. No, you and Sandy was. So he pitched to his strength, I pitched to my strength. But you have sports writers that don't know squat about the game saying, well, his wins were better than yours. The you great 164 comeback wins. You must hold the record though for like the most double plays as a pitcher. I mean, every time I hold the record, I hold the record for most no decisions in the history of baseball. Well, okay. 188 no decisions. Wow. 
did, was there any, we mentioned Steve Carlton earlier, Johnny Bench just owned Steve Carlton. Was there any pitcher who, who any hitter who you really feared going against just had your number? That's what I was wondering, John. Ken Griffey Sr. Okay. Well, I could never get a curveball over the plate to him. <laughs> and he was a good hitter. Now, I could get Ken Griffey Jr. out. <laughs> Piece of cake. But he was only 11 at the time. <laughs> oh, gosh. Sr. <laughs> uh, was tough. Uh, Left-handed hitters were tougher on me because I had to go to my curveball and you make more mistakes with a curveball. Well, it was it was just always remarkable. But the best hitter I ever saw, Wade Box. Wade Box, really? Without, without a doubt. Hmm, that's interesting. I would have never picked. I would have. I mean, he's a great player. Who would, but you, have Who would you have picked? Unfortunately, I think I would have picked one of the Yankees, like Reggie Jackson, uh, when you were maybe paying, playing playing the Dodgers. He had power. <laughs> Reggie couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. <laughs> Yikes. Mark could really, boy, I, I, he could hit the way they express. He could hit 300 with a toothpick. He was amazing. No, that's um, uh, usually the good hitters, one, they didn't strike out. They put the ball in play. Mm. And Boggs, if you made a mistake, Boggs had some pop on that bat that could hit some long balls if, if he had to. But uh, he was the best I, uh, for hitting a ball. Now, wow. I, didn't, I, I, I didn't mind facing him because he didn't hit me. How was a Pete Rose as an opponent for hitting? I was in Pete Rose top three all-time toughest pitchers to hit. Wow. 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 And that's well, pretty good. I'll give I was three to one odds that uh, oh, oh no I can't say that because that's happening <laughs> on baseball. <laughs> I was going to ask you um, about the uh, Let's Do It Foundation and yeah. what's going on with that. Can you tell us a little bit about the Let's Do It Foundation? Well, the Let's Do It Foundation we have kind of shut it down a bit, but that was for. Uh, we were raising money to uh, help kids who were um, suicidal because uh, my, my son Taylor committed suicide. Uh, I tell you, if, I played baseball for a lot of years. I got up to go to the bathroom and I saw on my phone, dad, call me. It was my son, Tommy. I called him and he said, this was like four o'clock in the morning. And he said, Taylor killed himself last night. And I went, what? He, he died in the, you know, and you know, so now we're sitting there crying and I go, oh God, what am I going to do? So we had his funeral in Chicago and there had to be 10 or 12 Chicago bears came because uh, his brother-in-law, Pat Manley, played for the Bears for 16 years. And um, it was kind of neat to see another sport turn out for a kid that was uh, 28 years old, I guess, when he died. But he had, he had issues. Um, 
anxiety, depression, and stuff like that. And that's what Let's Do It was basically founded for, to help kids that have those maladies. Well, bless you for all the amount of time you put into that. Uh, we're going to break through. Uh, Tony Ann's salary is all. That's all. We're going to... We're going to break for a commercial. When we come back, Tommy, I was going to ask you about being a broadcaster and uh, how you felt about that. Maybe something something funny that occurred uh, when you were doing broadcasting. We'll be right back, guys. Uh, give us one second. Cause I gotta say, you're looking like a gift for me Wrapped up nice and neat, baby Get in my way now, don't be shy We'll be here dancing day and night Get in my groove now, don't be shy Cause I got this list of my favorite things You could be the part where it all begins You could be the first and the second and the third And the rest of it You could be a one of the things I Did you know that at least half of the world's population still does not have access to essential health services? One of the biggest problems in developing countries is the lack of medical monitoring devices. We have a solution. Kipuwex. Kipuwex is an easily attachable, lightweight, IOMT device which continuously measures all the clinically relevant biomarkers vital to the assessment of your health. Kipuex uses smart algorithms to provide efficiently reliable measurements for healthcare professionals. The biomarkers can be monitored remotely anywhere and at any time with a mobile and web application. Kipuex is not limited by physical infrastructure and is suitable for professional use and in the future for home users as well. A simple user interface will let you choose which biomarkers you want to view and displays them on easy-to-read graphs. We here at Kipuex want to combat healthcare inequality and help millions of people around the world. Well, back again, and thank you to our sponsors. Tommy, I said when we come back, I was going to ask you about being a broadcaster. You did that for a few years. Um, how did you how did you enjoy that? I liked it. Uh, truthfully, I, I enjoyed 
telling people my idea of what was trying to be done. Um, you know, when you're looking and you see a guy make a pitch, I remember one and they said, well, well, what do you think about that? I said, well, that's the third pitch in a row that he's made right down Broadway and the ball should be hit hard. You know, I mean, I got pulled off. I was doing Yankee baseball and um, Bobby Mercer and I were doing the TV. Well, this one Sunday, they came in and I saw three headsets. I go, what, what's going on? Well, we're going to bring a third person in the booth. Who? Mm. And it was, um, I'll think of her name. She does the game now. She was uh, Susan. Susan uh, who? Susan Yeah, Susan something. Whatever her name is. Uh, she was there, and this is how I lost my job. She said, "Well, he's got to get on top of that slider and pull down more to get more of a down break." And I looked at her. And I go, Susan, when did you win 20 games in the major leagues? <laughs> and she said, oh, 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 well, that's what Mel Stottlemyre told me. Well, now, I never went to broadcast school, but I, I did know that in English class, if you're writing an essay and you quote somebody, you have to give recognition to that person down in the footnotes. And I said, Susan, all you had to say was Mel Stoudermeyer told me that he's got to get this and it's fine. But everybody said, oh, I can't believe how much she knows about pitching. Well, I can tell you she knows squat about pitching. It's just she could relay what was told to her to the air and Steinbrenner heard that and I wasn't asked to come back. <laughs> well, who had the better equipment, the Twins or the Yankees? Which booth was better? The Yankees by far. Okay. We, we had an, a, a broadcaster with the twins. His name was um, Dick Bremer. We did three innings, three innings. I didn't make a comment. There was a pitch, the ball was hit. Dick says, well, that was a good sinker uh, down and away, and he tried to pull it and hit it to the shortstop, you know, blah, blah, blah. Never threw it to me. And one of the guys that was there was out of the uh, Twins front office, and he sent a note down, and he said, Dick, let Tommy talk. And Dick says, oh, geez, I'm sorry. And I said, Dick, I know you don't think I can pitch because I didn't pitch for the twins. <laughs> <laughs> Did uh, you have a favorite team that you pitched for? I mean, you pitched for, I think, six over your career. Was there a favorite? Two. Uh, I like the Dodgers. Uh, I love the Dodgers when Lasorda managed. When wow. Walt Olsen managed, Walt didn't like it very well, and he was kind of a guy. And I like the Yankees by far. I like Yan Yankee fans. Yankee fans are the best. You know why? John, you suck! <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm a Yankee fan, so. <laughs> and you yell it. I, I tell you, you yell it. But uh, anyhow, it um, Yankee fans are good fans. Dodger fans are good fans. But they left the ballpark in the sixth inning. And they got <laughs> to beat the traffic home. Oh, gosh, yeah. You know, you would have a packed house, 56,000. And by the end of the game, there'd be maybe 15,000 left. Yeah. Yeah, I lived over wow. there as well, and traffic is pretty intense in California, let me tell you. Yeah. Well, we were so grateful that you took the time to be here with us today. Uh, it was, I mean, an honor for all of us to get the opportunity to meet you and chat with you. I mean, I feel like our conversation could go on forever. We all have so many questions. Well, when they told me, Tony Ann Macaroni <laughs> is uh, going to be there, uh, I said, oh, yeah, you're like, how can I pass it up? I mean, I've got a quick story. Sure. My wife yelled it into me. Uh, it's a story. Uh, my teeth, if you look at them, they, they were pretty good back at one time. Uh, Mark McGuire's father was my dentist. No way. <laughs> Out in Southern California, yeah. And Dr. McGuire uh, had fixed my teeth and all that. And um, so it was 87 that marks up in his first year. And I facing. Boom. And he knew I had a sinker and I just mm -hmm. kept throwing it to him. First time up, sinker away. Wow. Home run. Oh, man. Second time up, sinker away. Ouch. Home run. Third time up, sinker away, and he tried to pull it. And he hit a ground ball to the shortstop. Mm. And when he came across the mound, I kind of walked with him and I said, I outdumbed you. <laughs> That's a baseball saying, I outdumbed you. So I ended up winning the game. The only two runs they got off of me were his two home runs. His two. So I'm on my way to the car and he gets off the team <clears> up and he said, What did you say to me? And I said, I outdumbed you. You thought because you hit two home runs on on sinkers away that I was going to change my way to pitch to you. Mark, that's my pitch. I'll throw that to you until the cows come home. He went, oh, oh, okay, all right. So about 10 days later, we're out in Oakland. And he comes up. And the first pitch, sinker, about this far off the plate. <laughs> ball one sinker about that far off the plate ball two next pitch I ran a fastball inside and it jammed him and he popped the ball up and he comes back across the mound and I walked with him and I said Mark not every time will I throw the ball low and away <laughs> But that's pitching. That that's what you have to do as a pitcher. That is a funny right. story. 
Well, it's been an amazing uh, time getting to chat with you. I hope you'll come back again because I know we all have more questions. Yeah. Um, and if you get up to Clifton, go to the hot grill. <laughs> hot grill. Now we have to. Huh? That's it. Now we you have to. Them, you tell them the White House <laughs> chef Marty is on his way up to the hot grill. <laughs> Thank you, and we're going to say goodbye from uh, from all of us here at It May Interest You to Know. Thank you on Thank behalf you, of the uh, Presents Network. It may interest you to know.